Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpack family. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 116. We're getting near the finish line on episodes dealing with evangelization. I've noticed, sadly, that my listener audience has fallen off somewhat while we've dealt with this topic. I'm not sad because of the loss of numbers, but rather because this demonstrates that Catholics are actually willing to imperil their souls because they fear being active in evangelization or just don't see it as important. Maybe this week's episode will turn that around. This week I want to introduce you to an apostolate that very few of you have ever even heard of called St. Paul Street Evangelization Apostolate, or SPSE for short. I remember when they began, and I've been a vocal supporter ever since, especially when I'd seen the results of their work and how God has blessed their growth. As I've told you before, years ago I stopped asking God to bless what I was doing and began asking Him to let me do what He is blessing. If that's the way you want things to be, then you need to consider getting involved in the St. Paul Street Evangelization Apostolate, because God is most certainly blessing this work. Once, St. Vincent Ferrer related a sobering story of an archdeacon from Lyon. The cleric gave up his position and retreated into a deserted place to do penance. After the archdeacon's death, he appeared to his bishop and told him that the hour he died, 33,000 others also died, including St. Bernard. The archdeacon and St. Bernard went straight to heaven. Three others went to purgatory, and the rest went to hell. Only five were saved. This poignant story really makes you think. If that many were lost hundreds of years ago, what will happen to our sinful society today? Our friends at St. Paul Street Evangelization hope it makes you do more than just think. We hope it moves you to get out there and share the gospel to save souls. Log on to streetevangelization.com and learn about our basic training to help you get prepared to hit the streets. Or if you think you're ready to get out there, use our search function to find a team near you. That's streetevangelization.com. I'd originally planned to divide this interview into three episodes, but instead I'm going to do the whole thing here. This interview was so dynamic and so exciting that I felt like splitting it into multiple episodes would make it seem less exciting and that it would lose some of its impact. So there won't be any of our other regular segments this week. This week, we have two very special guests from St. Paul Street Evangelization with us, Bob Wilson and Brian Lee. Bob Wilson is the director of SPSE. He's a lifelong Metro Detroiter. He grew up Catholic, but didn't start living his faith until 2007. Struggles with panic and anxiety led him to seek the peace that only Jesus can give. He's been evangelizing ever since. He first started evangelizing with SPSE in 2012. He's evangelized at parish functions, college campuses, sporting events, parks, downtown areas, and libraries. He's also the team leader for the Archdiocese of Detroit festival team. 
He's co-led several basic evangelization training events, gives a 10 Ways to Be an Amazing Evangelist talk, and trains Sacred Heart Seminary seminarians how to evangelize college students. He worked in the shipping business for over 22 years before joining the staff in 2019. Brian Lee is the National Director of Teams at SPSE. He was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. He earned a degree in business management before serving as a focus missionary on the campus of Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. After two years with Focus, he spent three years in the seminary where he learned the art of prayer and discernment as well as studied philosophy and theology. Before coming on board with SPSE, Brian served as the Director of Mission and Discipleship at a major parish in downtown Indianapolis. He's excited to share his formation and further the mission of the new evangelization with SPSE. He currently resides in Alabama. Let's listen to these two men who I found so exciting. Hey guys, welcome to the Cantankerous Catholic. We're thrilled to have you here this week. I've really been wanting to get the people to know St. Paul Street Evangelization. So guys, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Okay, Bob, let's start with you. Why don't you tell my family here just what the St. Paul Street Evangelization Apostolate is and how it got started? Sure. We're a, a grassroots evangelization apostolate. It all started with our founder, Steve Dawson. You know, he has a pretty dramatic conversion story. And yeah, he wanted to spread the word about Jesus and his Catholic Church. And he heard about the new evangelization, but, you know, he didn't see it anywhere. You know, there were synods and documents and evangelization committees and lots of talk about it. But where were the people evangelizing? Right. So he and his wife and a couple of friends out in Portland, they grabbed some rosaries and some pamphlets from the back of a church. And they just went out on the streets of Portland. You know, there's a motto in Portland, keep Portland weird. And so they figured they'd fit right in. And, yeah, they just went out there and they they told they just set up a blanket started talking to people, whoever uh, they encountered. And yeah, he found out that two minute conversations could have a, a huge impact on people. Steve tells this one story about how they went to a restaurant and talked to their waitress. And during the course of a conversation, he asked if she was Catholic. And she said that her boyfriend was. And then Steve said, well, what about you? And she said, no, but she didn't agree with some of the teachings of the church like a woman's right to choose. And Steve just said something simple like, listen, every baby that comes into the world is willed into existence by God. And it's not up to us to decide who lives and who dies. Our job is to take care of each other, you know? And that was it, you know? He didn't know if he'd ever see her again. But two months later, he went back and he saw the same waitress again. And she was all excited to see him. And she said, come here, come here and sit down. And she showed him and the people he was with, that she was pregnant. And she said that she found out later that day uh, that she was pregnant and that she knew that God had sent him so that she would end up keeping her baby. And so they found out that these two-minute conversations can have, you know, about Jesus and the Catholic Church can, can do great things, right? And so one thing led to another. He would have these stories, post them on Facebook, 
And people would contact him from all over and ask questions about how to do what they're doing, right? And one thing led to another, and that's why we have this apostolate today. Well, I think that's amazing. You know, God has used me to make literally hundreds of converts over the last 30 years, and and uh, 84 of them are my adult godchildren. And it all started pretty much the way you're talking about. It's it's always been done in one-on-one situations and small group venues. And that's why I'm so big on evangelization. Nobody's doing it. Nobody's right. doing it. So, you know, it's up to the laity to get out there and hammer away. The church is in decline right now because of all the confusion, especially because of the confusion and the priestly sex abuse scandal. So therefore, it's necessary for us to get out there and do it. Brian, SPSE has teams all over the country to evangelize our holy and ancient faith. Tell us what a team looks like, will you? That's great. I I love that you use the words holy and ancient because it is, but another word that I was thinking about is how it's living. It's a, it's a living faith and it's a, we're part of an amazing story. Uh, we don't all, we know that Jesus Christ died and rose again three days later, but we also know that it's because he wants to give us the same everlasting life. And he showed us uh, that that's possible only through him. And so we have this incredible faith that we get to live and we don't just get to live it, but now we have an opportunity to share it. And Bob just shared that amazing story of a woman who decided to keep life, um, her child. And we have so many stories that it's it's the stories from the street that get people excited to be part of this ministry. And uh, I also know one of Steve's first stories was a man who went back to confession just after having one conversation with him. He hadn't been to confession in 26 years. So I think there's some timidity of wanting to get started. So what does a team look like? A team is a person who hears these stories and says, God is still working and people still want to hear his message. And I want to be a part of that. So my role, as you mentioned at the beginning, I'm the director of team. So for three years, all I've done is talk to people who say, I hear your ads on the radio. I, <laughs> I'm nervous. I don't know what to do, but I want to be a part of this ministry because I hear all these stories about how God is working and I want to be a part of that. And so our teams are individual Catholics who saying are praying that all of them are saying, God is calling me to this. I'm, I feel called in prayer. I want to be a part of this ministry. And all we do is we equip them with both training and the materials that they need. And we send them out. And they're just, it, we ask that they go with at least one other person. Jesus never sent anyone alone. He said, I want you to go two by two when he sent people out. I think he did that for a reason. I think there was, we, we don't want to go out alone. So teams are two or more people who are going into the community and they're creating their own stories because uh, stories come every single day of all of our teams who are going out. You can we have a weekly email called Stories from the Streets of what God is doing when we're faithful to say yes to him and going and hitting the streets. Yeah, some of those stories from the streets have been real good too. I've enjoyed them. Uh, Brian, uh, can, can anyone form a team? Uh, do they have to have their bishop's permission? That's a great question. I <laughs> I think if people, I think a bishop would laugh if they, if a Catholic said, "Do I have your permission to evangelize?" You know, it's like we know. <laughs> is it okay if I go tell people about Jesus? You know, I think, I think what the real question is there is, you know, uh, sometimes dioceses and bishops have questions about our organization, St. Paul Street Evangelization. Like, what is it that you're training, and maybe what materials are you giving them to hand out? And I think some of that can be legitimate. And so, <clears throat> I actually work with dioceses 
to ensure that anyone who is that they that they can see our materials in our training that we're equipping the lady with to do the work of evangelization. But as lay people, we know that we're called to do this. And we don't ask them to, to say that, like, wait, let's ask for the bishop's permission. We say, go out there. You were called by your baptism to evangelize. If the diocese has questions, we'll be here to answer them. But we're going to equip you first. We're going to get you out there because we know that that's your calling. And so if they have questions about the materials that you're handing out, we'll be happy to answer those questions on the national level. But you uh, have a calling to just by your baptism to share the faith. So we're going to help you do that. Great. That sounds good. Bob, is the home office just a group of bureaucrats who sit up there and dictate to the teams how things are done, or do they see their role as supportive of the teams? We're bureaucrats, and if you don't do what we say, you're out. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a good question, Joe. We have a pretty good idea over time of what works and what doesn't. And so... You know, we train we train the team leaders to evangelize the the way that we found to be successful, and so we're not primary apologists. You know, evangelization is more than having all the right answers. We first need to connect with people and befriend them and earn the right to be heard. Right. So we're not out there with a bullhorn speaking to crowds. We have one-on-one conversations. We try to figure out where they are in their faith life, and then encourage them to move either into a life of discipleship or closer to a life of discipleship, you know? So our model is to listen, befriend, proclaim, and invite. Okay, great. Brian, what sort of training do your members do? And how do they train? Yeah, that's a good question. Bob just went through our method, listen, befriend, proclaim, invite. And so, uh, especially when you hear street ministry, um, you think of person with a sign. I remember uh, when I was on my college campus um, years ago, uh, that there there was a street evangelist and he was there. He was just yelling at people, telling all of us that we're going to hell. And so I think it was very important that we realize, I, I remember being not struck, you know, by the Holy Spirit, like wanting to say like, man, I really, that person looks like he has a lot of joy and I really want to learn more about that faith or where, where he gets that. It was uh, no, I don't think there were any converts that came from that person that day. I do think there's a place in a conversation that you can, let people know that maybe they're not on the right path and that Jesus, you can invite Jesus into their life, but that can only be done in the context of a conversation. So our training is about teaching people how to listen and to ask the right questions. And that training is done. We offer that in many ways. We actually have an, an online school called evangelizationschool.com. We have an introduction to evangelization training, and that's going to teach you the basics of the kerygma. How do you proclaim the gospel well? How do you listen to others well? Um, Like, how do you start the conversation on the street? Bob mentioned that Steve went out with rosaries. That's one of our main tactics of just offering people a free rosary and allowing a natural conversation to progress from there. And uh, and then afterwards, um, you know, let's proclaim the gospel to them. Let's let them hear the good news, because I think there's a lot of people, even though we live in like a post-Christian world, that they 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 still don't know who Jesus is and they don't know the full gospel story. So we want to offer that to them and then we want to pray with them. We want to give them an opportunity to encounter God through us right there with any prayer intentions that they have. Even atheists are open to being prayed with. It's, it's pretty amazing when you're out there on the street. So we train people to be bold, to be able to share the gospel, to pray with others, and to invite them to be part of Christ and his church. And then later on, we also have apologetics training. So if people do want to you know, learn how to answer questions well, 
uh, if they get asked questions about the faith of the church, I think all that comes naturally after you first get out there. So we have apologetic training. We even have a whole list uh, that Bob comes up with once a month of what do you say, common questions that we get from the street. And we have a pool of uh, all of our team leaders who get together and say, this is what I would say. This is what I would say. So we learn best practices from each other as we continue to go out. Well, that's that sounds great. And incidentally, uh, whenever you mention that people don't know who Jesus Christ is, something that I've experienced, maybe you have too, I don't know. But I have, especially among these millennials, I've found that a number of them honestly don't know who he is. They think his name is an epithet with the middle initial H. So... <laughs> So have you guys run across that? Yeah, there's a lot of nuns out there, you know. You ask people what religious affiliation they are, and they say, huh, none. So, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. Okay. Uh, listen, even the few Catholics who've actually remotely given thought to getting into lay evangelization are actually terrified of the idea. I know that when I mention to Catholics the need to evangelize, I usually get answered with that deer-in-the-headlight look and a terrified silence. Most Catholics are just too timid to evangelize. So let's hear from both of you about that, because I'm sure the same thing happens to you that happens to me. What do you have to say to Catholics like that? Well, I remind them of what Jesus said. He said, listen, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me right? And to pick up your cross means to suffer for the sake of the kingdom. And then let me quote St. Paul in the book of Romans. He said, you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. So when we cry, Abba, Father, it is a spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And then he goes on to say, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be re that is to be revealed to us. And look, Joe, we have it pretty easy here in America. There are Amen. Christians in other parts of the world that are being beheaded for being Catholic. Now, the very least we can do is go out on a sidewalk, make friends with people and share our faith with them. You know, if you're not willing to do that because of fear, then you're not where you need to be. We should be more worried about being judged at the end of our life for sins of omission than worried about having a stranger scoff at us when we're, we're evangelizing. You know, we need to be more concerned with pleasing God than not offending men. And then the Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 1816 says, A disciple of Christ must not only keep the faith and live on it, but also profess it, confidently bear witness to it, and spread it. Service of and witness to the faith are necessary for salvation. And really, the way we evangelizing, there's nothing to fear. You know, we're not out there causing trouble. We start by offering someone a free sacramental. If someone isn't interested, they're just going to say no and keep walking. So really, there's nothing to be uh, afraid of. Gosh, you know, <laughs> you'd be a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed uh, my friend, Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke. And you'd be amazed how much of what you said just then uh, is almost exactly what he said. I, I appreciate that answer. Uh, Brian, what, 
do you have to say about this? Well, taking a little bit of a different spin on it, I remember when Jesus, I mentioned how he sent his disciples out two by two, and that's the way we want to model when our teams go out there, at least going out two by two to share their faith. Now, he, and he says this to them, he says, whoever hears you, hears me. And whoever despises you, despises me. And whoever despises me, despises him who sent me. But that's not the end. Literally, the next line. So uh, then there's, there must be some sort of gap between them. And then they went out because all of a sudden, uh, this is in Luke ten seventeen. It says, then the 72 returned with gladness saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. So something happen where Jesus sent them out. And just like Bob was mentioning, it's like, whoever hears you, hears me. If they reject you or they reject me, it's like, you know, maybe you're nervous about this, but don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden they're returning with gladness. And we have all these stories, as I mentioned, of what started this apostolate of somebody who literally, like, I, I, I just have some stories I want to share of one in Lincoln, Nebraska, one of our teams just handed a child a rosary. Turns out that child was an adopted child from Africa. The parents were not Catholic. But the child took to the rosary so much that, you know, they went along, but they were like, let's contact the adoption agency to figure out, you know, what happened with this child. Uh, why is, it seems like he's very familiar with this rosary. And it turns out that the village at the where the child was from was a Catholic village, but the child had not been baptized. So like, well, we want to honor his heritage. Let's get him baptized. So they took that child and got him baptized. And then years later, they went to put him in school. They met with a sister because they're like, let's put him in a Catholic school. He was he was Catholic. We got him baptized Catholic. They saw a poster for RCIA and then ended up saying, uh, you know, what's this? They're like, oh, that's, you know, what we how we prepare people who want to become Catholic who aren't Catholic already. And they're like, you can become Catholic. And the, and the sister was like, of course. And so they ended up becoming Catholic. That was all because our teams handed this child a rosary. And the only reason they, we even found out about the story is the Diocese of Lincoln wrote it up in their newspaper and sent it to us. And we had to send it out back out to our team was like, did you know that you didn't even do anything? You literally just handed a child this rosary and all of a sudden this family became Catholic. And the same thing happened that with one of my brother's seminarians. We used to do this as seminarians at Mount St. Mary's University. Uh, we, we would go on evangelization outings all the time, specifically to college campuses. But he went to Gettysburg, um, downtown Gettysburg, set up a table. A woman got out of her car, saw the table uh, with all the Catholic stuff on it and a sign that said, like, Catholic truth. And she said, <laughs> that's it. Like, I'm coming back to the church. The, the seminaries didn't say a word to her, but she saw just the fact that they were out, you know, was a sign from God that she needed to return from the church. So this ministry has absolutely nothing to do with, like, how good of an apologist you are or how good you are. Although we do think it's, like, a good thing to be able to have good answers to cat people that people may have about the Catholic faith. But it's about getting out there with the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that God is going to work through you and you're going to come back with joy because you're going to see how people's hearts are still open to the gospel and you're going to be excited to be part of that mission. Wow, that that's actually an exciting story I because I frequently tell this six-pack family, you know, you don't have any idea what you do uh, how it affects other people and something as simple as handling, handing a child a rosary to cause this to happen. It, it's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. You know, guys, last week we finished a three-part interview with, uh, Cardinal Burke. I know his eminence is a big supporter of SPSC, 
What other prominent Catholics do you have uh, who endorse the apostolate? Uh, like you said, Cardinals Burke and Arinze. Um, we also have, you know, if you go on Facebook, yeah, I'm always seeing pictures with bishops. Bishop Sample out in Oregon, he's he's a supporter of ours, uh, although he's not on our website, but it, I, we've seen him on Facebook. Steve Ray, um, he just shot a video um, series with us on the life of St. Paul. We have Jeff Cavins, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Al Cresta. So it's just more like who isn't on our team, you right? Everybody um, that I've come in contact has supported us. I can't think of anybody that says like, nah, those guys, they don't do anything good, you know? So <laughs> that, you know, it's actually a Catholic Hall of Fame you've got supporting you there. Uh, six pack family, we often talk about good bishops in this country. Bishop Samples is definitely one of the good guys. I know you guys are probably not familiar with him out there, but he is one of the good guys. I would really like to meet him someday. He used to be uh, with us here in Michigan in the Upper Peninsula, so we, I know him pretty good. He was in the UP? Yep. What uh, what diocese is that? That's Marquette. Marquette, okay. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's great. Okay. Yes, he is. Uh, I was looking at some of your material and I noticed that you differentiate between direct evangelization and relational evangelization. Uh, will you explain that to the six pack family, please? Either one of you. Sure. Sure. That's a great question. Direct evangelization is what we do out on the street, right? It's like talking to people that we've never met and we might not ever see again. Right. And so we have to assume that we're only going to have that one conversation with them. And so we want to leave them with the truth that will hopefully impact them and stick with them. On the other hand is relational evangelization. That's with talking with people that you already have a relationship with, family, friends, coworkers. Um, this kind of evangelization can be done over time. You know, we can take our time listening to and befriending them and establishing trust. We can assume that we're going to have more conversations with them so we can move more slowly, whet their appetite, and hopefully leave them wanting more. Both of these methods are done in the gospel, right? Jesus gathered with the 12 for three years. He lived with them. That was relational. And then he also had the direct evangelization with, say, the woman at the well. Wow. Okay. You got anything to add to that, Brian? Well, I will say that um, I, I did used to be a missionary with Focus, and I know there it was really big in being uh, building disciples, making disciples. You know, that was all about... Uh, I think a big buzzword in the term with the new evangelization is discipleship. And it it really is just, I'm a follower of Christ and I'm going to encourage other people to follow him. And that, that really is, there's a specific path, you know, what that actually looks like something. I'm going to be praying every day. I'm going to be going to Sunday mass. I'm going to be following the precepts of the church. I, I'm going to go on pilgrimage. Like my life is going to head in a certain trajectory and I'm going to encourage others to be able to discern the will of God and follow that path as well. So it's more hands-on. You actually have time to build the relationships and help people grow in their faith. And uh, But a part of that ministry, especially a part of the church, uh, what got me excited about St. Paul's Shoot Evangelization is, let's say I'm leading a Bible study with a, with a bunch of guys uh, on a college campus. We didn't just leave it there. We said, you know, we have something great here, and we need to go out and invite other people to be a part of this. And so we once a month, we would go and hit... On, around the college campus, and I would ask college students, you know, do you think it's hard to live the Christian life on the college campus today? And so there's an underlying assumption that they maybe they're already a Christian or they have a desire to do it, but it actually worked out really well because a lot of them said, yeah, I think it is. 
it is hard to live a you know a Christian life on the college campus today. We have maybe you're part of fraternity, maybe you're in a relationship that's not glorifying God. And I'd be like, is that anything you're experiencing? And almost inevitably, they'd be like, of course, like I'm in a fraternity and I'm in a relationship that I don't think is very healthy right now. And I'd be like, well, do you would you want to be a part of something greater? You know, I lead a Bible study with some guys. Uh, you know, we we go to Mass at St. John's on Sundays. I want to invite you to come. And we actually got people to come. People came into the church because we went out and spoke with them. So I realized that this direct evangelization is actually something good that actually leads people into maybe a more relational evangelization context where they can actually be discipled by others in the church. You make an excellent point there, Brian. You know, in the sales industry, salesmen are taught, you're not going to get the sale if you don't ask for it. (laughs) These people are just begging to be invited into the church. All you have to do is tell them so. They're just not going to they're just not going to volunteer that they want to be a Catholic. You actually have to say, hey, come do this, or we sit down and listen to that. I mean, you know, it's uh, so I think you guys are on the, the right track. No, And of course, you know, your history shows that you are. Listen, you've got a map on your website that shows where teams are all over the country. Now, I'm embarrassed to note that uh, I didn't see any teams here in Missouri, and there actually should be a number of them. After all, the Archdiocese of St. Louis is known as the Rome of the West. We've got listeners all over the world, but 75% are here in America, and a pretty substantial number in my Archdiocese. Uh, you're speaking to them right now, so so take a moment to convince them that they need to start an SPSC team now. Just do it. (laughs) Start right now. Go to straightevangelization.com and fill out the get involved form right now. I will, I will personally call you. They need to. I I absolutely agree. Well, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I I mean, how many stories do you want me to give you? I can sit here all day and talk about how those who go out, uh, just as you, as you mentioned, Joe, there's people out there who are going to say yes, so they just need to be asked. So are, are we as Catholics going to be willing to go out? We hear so much. The church is dying. Churches are closing. Well, are, are we even asking people to come inside? <laughs> like, you know, I wonder why they're closing. I wonder why so many uh, churches are not seeing, you know, great numbers. It's because, you know, we're just we're all sitting together and we're not going out. So let's go out and invite people to come in and see what happens and not be afraid of you know, if I have the right words, Jesus is the one who's sending us and Jesus is the one who is going to give us the power. That's, he's going to be the one that convicts people heart, people's hearts of you. And that's one of the biggest things we actually teach in our training is if you think that your words and you're going to have all the right things to say, and if you study hard enough that you're going to be able to convince people to become Catholic, then you're going you're gonna to find that shoot evangelization is going to be really hard. But if you actually are praying and you realize and you that Jesus is the one who's going to have to soften that person's heart that you're speaking with, and that he's probably already been preparing them for a long time before they ever come across you on the street. And he's just using you to be the one that actually gets them in the door, but he's been working on them for a long time. So it's like, I want to be part of this mission in this very small way, because that's what's amazing about this apostolate is you come across people who you see who Jesus already been working on, and you get to be the one that gets to be the aha, homo, aha moment. Like, yes, I'm going to be a part of this apostolate. 
because I get to be the one that actually gets them in the church. Like Jesus wants to use me that way. And he does. Yeah. We, Amazing point. Go ahead, Bob. We can only point our fingers at the priests and bishops for so long, Joe. We got to get in the game, right? We're men. We had, this is our baptismal call. People are going to hell all around us. And we're like those darn priests and those darn bishops. Well, how about us, right? Faith comes by hearing. We got to open our mouths and start proclaiming. We got to get in the game. Nobody in Missouri, seriously? I'll tell you what, Missouri, there's no pine riders in heaven. Get in the game, right? Jesus will take us there, but we got to do something. Come on. Yeah, that's, <laughs> thank you, Bob. I think, you know, Missourians have a reputation as being mules. We're old Missouri mules, and <laughs> they really needed to hear something like that. Good. It's been my experience that no matter what I do or say, it's usually our lady who seals the deal. Uh, I've noticed that if I can get an inquirer to say the rosary with me two or three times a week, and if I can get him to wear a brown scapular for two weeks, she always gets them. They become Catholic. I've noticed that you guys hand out a lot of rosaries, and of course, we heard one story about it just a few minutes ago, but do you have similar experiences? Well, Joe, I know it ain't me. (laughs) Sometimes I'll go out there and I'll talk to people and I'm like, man, you really butchered that one. You just said something stupid. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't the right thing to say it. it, There was no relevance to what they were doing. And, you know, sometimes I've had that experience where I'm like, oh, that was awful. And then they'll come back later to me with tears in their eyes and saying how much of an impact it made. And I'm like, wow, it really isn't me. So it's just like Mother Teresa said, God doesn't require our ability He wants our availability, and he's going to do all the heavy lifting. He just needs us to show up. That's absolutely right. You know, I've related evangelization to a sales job before in that on a a really advanced sales team, you've got a prospector, and he provides the leads, and then you've got the guy who gives the pitch, and then you've got the follow-up who does the close. Well, you know, this is, I've actually had sales jobs where I had to do it all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the most simple and the easiest sales job there is, if you want to call it a sales job, because the Holy Spirit gets the prospects. He provides the leads. All I do is make the pitch. All I do is teach the faith. And then he follows up with the clothes. You know, not one single time in 30 plus years of evangelization, have I ever asked a single inquire whether or not he wanted to become a Catholic? I always, that's none of my business. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And so whenever they're ready, they inevitably tell me, but there's just no sense in uh, asking them because that doesn't concern me. My only job is to share the faith. One of the questions that we ask on the street is, uh, have you ever considered the Catholic Church before? And you mentioned we give out rosaries. I, I love giving out the rosary. And a lot of people are like, wouldn't that be divisive? You know, aren't they, what about people who are, you know, Protestant? Wouldn't they, wouldn't they have objections to the rosary? Wouldn't you be, you know, you know, causing divisions right from the beginning? I, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. That's where I live. Do you, how, many, <laughs> how many Catholics do you think? I know EWTN, EWTN is here. 
Uh, but I'm in the deep south. And if I can hand out rosaries, and, and I do, and it's amazing, even to non-Catholics, the Christians, they, they take it. And I tell them, you know, this is actually the way we, we meditate on the life of Christ. And they're like, oh, my goodness, wow. That's what they say. <laughs> and so immediately, I'm actually gaining common ground by giving out the rosary. And then I ask them, have you ever considered the Catholic Church? Not because I'm asking them, like, I need you in the Catholic Church right now. But that's a that's a very it's a question because I want to hear what objections they have. And, uh, you know, no, I haven't. Well, and then we have a, a part of our training is, well, can I give you one good reason why I'm Catholic? Not let me tell you why you need to be Catholic right now, but it puts it back on us. And so uh, it's all about how is it that we can gain common ground with people? Um, and I think that we've actually found that giving out the rosary is is a really easy way to do that. Yeah, Brian. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Alabama too, because that's where I became a Catholic was down in uh, the Montgomery area. Oh, wow. And you know, the, uh, for several years I did evangelization down there and Alabama is definitely a training ground for apologetics. (laughs) 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 I mean, I look, I don't mean to disparage the people of Alabama because they're good people, but among many fundamentalists, they've got some really crazy ideas about the faith. You know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard things like, uh, Oh, the King James version was good enough for Paul and Silas. It's good enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I've heard people say that St. Paul stood on the street corners of Jerusalem, handing out King James Bibles. (laughs) So, you know, you, you, uh, you have to get really down there. You have to get really good at apologetics and you have to be very careful also to not seem like you're talking down to people like that because they, you know, bless their hearts. They're, they aren't holding those positions because they are uh, well studied at something. They're, they're obviously lacking a lot. So, but you know, it's difficult, but I, I appreciated you bringing up Alabama because that brought back lots of evangelistic and, uh, apologetic memories. <laughs> and that is one thing that when we go out there as evangelists is that, uh, we're not out there to win the argument. And, and so if somebody did say something like that, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I could, uh, you know, probably win the battle of like, no, Paul was not handing out King James Version Bibles. <laughs> but I mean, you could even just bring that up uh, that, you know, that, you know, that that's actually the reason that I'm Catholic is, did you know that actually the Bible didn't even uh, exist until the Catholic Church was the one that put it together and, you know, was the one who discerned that this was the inspired word of God? Like, did you realize that? But even doing it in such a way that it's not like, I'm going to prove you wrong, but in a way that's like, you know, you're my brother in Christ and I, I, I want to, you know, help you become, come to know the truth. I think there's, there's a distinction between wanting to win and wanting to, you know, assist your brother in, in, in illuminating the truth. Yeah. yeah. I, you can, go win, ahead. you can win an argument and lose a soul. And so absolutely be careful with our words. We're not out there to, to win an argument. We're out there to bring someone closer to becoming a disciple so that they can be saved. Yeah. I, I have frequently told the six pack family, you can't win an argument because if you try to win an argument, you lose Mm -hmm. nearly all of the apologetical discussions or even debates that I've engaged in spontaneously have been in uh, public places. And my objective has never been to win the argument because I've got 
enough sense to realize most of those people around are listening. And so I'm really talking to them. I know I can't win against this guy who's got his mind made up that the church is the whore of Babylon, you know, but the other people are listening. And so many times people have come to me when it's all over and said, hey, what about this or that? And, you know, I say, okay, God planted the seed. Let's run with it. (laughs) There you go. You know, that's... So I agree with you wholeheartedly about winning the argument. What sort of follow-up do you have for the people who come into contact with your teams? Do you try to get them engaged or do you just plant a seed and let them wander off on down the road? Well, ideally it would be great if we could plug them into a parish and then, you know, meet them there or have someone at the parish that could welcome them. But, you know, a lot of uh, parishes aren't equipped to do that. So it depends if you have a good parish, that's, uh, equipped to handle like seekers, then great, send them to that parish. Um, if not, you might be just planting seeds, right? And we can uh, we can give them our contact information and invite them to mass or confession. A lot of times, we'll just offer them a meal, pay pay buy them dinner, buy them a coffee, keep the conversation going, whatever the situation dictates. You know, sometimes you you might be at a great parish, but you're in downtown Detroit, and so you can't invite them a half hour away. So it all depends. It's ideally we'd like to have uh, a parish, a good parish that's good at welcome them that we can plug into, but that's not always the case. I don't know, Brian. Maybe you have something to add. Yeah, I'm just thinking of another story. Of uh, I remember there was actually a team um, on a college campus who was giving out cupcakes for Mary's birthday. This actually, uh, while I was a I was a missionary on campus, and there was just a mass card. That's what they gave with it, and this this man ended up. Just he was a fallen away Catholic. He hadn't been in the church in a long time. You know, he obviously went to the table because of the cupcake. Uh, but what changed his life was that mass card because he ended up going back to mass. And not only did he end up going back to mass, he ended up becoming the director of youth and young adult ministry for an archdiocese, uh, all because he ended up <laughs> just just a cupcake and a mass card. You know, was the seed that he needed to be able to be on the trajectory, to not even just go back to, to church himself, but it to become such a big part of his life that he wanted to make, give his entire life to it, even make a career um, serving the church. So I, I, I don't want to diminish the power of planting seeds because I think incredible things can come from it and we just never know. And so, and sometimes that's all we can do. You know, we're, we're, when we're in downtown areas, when we're in places that do have high foot traffic, maybe we live in the suburbs, but we still want to be part of this ministry. It's going to be harder for us to do that direct follow-up. And we have door-to-door ministries. We have ways to be able to evangelize in the suburbs. But I, I guess all I'm saying is like, I wouldn't let the idea that we need the perfect follow-up to prevent us from feeling like we can go out. But just as Bob mentioned, having follow-up is ideal. And so we equip our team leaders with what we call seeker small groups if they want to lead a small group on their own where they can even invite people to like a weekly study. Sometimes they'll meet at a coffee shop or maybe they'll meet at a parish or they'll meet somewhere that just answer questions about uh, you know, the Catholic faith or becoming Christian or wherever that the people who are coming, what questions that they have. Uh, so we offer that. But we invite them to do what they what I mentioned in that first one is maybe just hand out mass cards and get them plugged into the church that way. So it could be um, a more intertwined where the, the parish knows that they're coming and they have, you know, a follow-up plan for all of them, or maybe they're just pointing them in that direction. And, and that's what, that's all that needs to happen. Yeah. Listen, 
you know, guys, this makes me think of something else. Let's let's be completely honest here, because the six-pack family already knows this. It's the elephant in the middle of the room. When it comes to follow-up, there are lots and lots and lots of parishes that I wouldn't send my worst enemy to. <laughs> uh, so, like, I'd like to know from both of you, do you recommend that a team kind of uh, establish and build a list of really good parishes they can refer people to? Yeah, I, we let every team leader discern where it is that they're going to send them to. Likely, it's going to be their own parish. And whenever I'm the one who actually works with our team leaders, and I actually encourage them to be able to go out locally. So I mentioned we, a lot of them are like, I live in the suburbs, so I have to go in the city. And I say, no, let's, let's think about creative ways for you to be able to evangelize, maybe at a suburban park, doing door-to-door ministry. People have evangelized us at Walmarts. Let's get you in places where that you can actually point people to your parish. Because I do think that's where you're going to have the most control and you'll be able to see the fruit and get more people excited about being part of this ministry. With that said, if they're in a downtown parish, I think uh, especially the Catholics who are involved in this ministry, they know the parishes that are really active. And so we don't, it's not like us on the national level are, are saying, you know, make sure that these criteria are met before you point people to. And we just, we just say use prudence and where you're going to invite people to do the follow-up. And even though we think it's going to be a best practice, if you can find a way to get them to your own parish, because we feel like that's where you're going to be and you'll be able to see them at mass and do that follow-up. But if you have to point them somewhere else where you're not going to be, then, you know, I've just do it at a parish that you think they'll be well-received. Thanks. Bob, do you have anything to add to that? No, that was good. Uh, Guys, the six-pack family demographic has 61% Catholic men between the ages of 18 and 34. That's our demographic. That's the ideal demographic for a, a Catholic apostolate today. Now, Imagine that you've got all 33,000 of these listeners here in the room with you now, which you really do. As a closing shot, what would you like to say to them? Let's hear from both of you. Sure. Um, Listen, men, these are perilous times, right? In the world, especially in America and in our church, we're dealing with all kinds of violence, um, sexual sin, division, chaos. But here's the thing. God knew these tough times were coming and he chose you and I and Joe, to be alive at this time, to be a part of the solution. Jesus is the answer to all the world's problems. And therefore, making Jesus known is the answer to all the world's problems. We can do that, right? And like St. Paul says, woe to us if we don't preach the gospel. It's the year of St. Joseph. We got a man up. You know, let's pray to St. Joseph. St. Joseph, help me to be a man, right? Terror of demons, zealous defender of Christ, St. Joseph, pray for us and let's go to work. He's also the model of workmen. I almost forgot that title. (laughs) How about you, Brian? I'm going to tell two more stories from the same evangelization outing. I had a chance to do door-to-door ministry, and uh, we broke up into groups going two by two. We went door-to-door in the neighborhood. We were inviting people to a local parish. This was The pastor was amazing, and he knew this was necessary. And so uh, we went out. We were inviting people to go, and there was a group. It actually wasn't mine. Uh, but there were two men who went up to the door, knocked on it, and there was a young man there. And he said, I can't believe it. The, the people who just knocked on the door, the two evangelists from St. Joe's who were, who were out, hadn't even said a word yet. But he said, you're not going to believe this. Like, I, I'm sitting here, you know, reading 
the gos the gospel, uh, and then I actually ended up reading the letter of Romans, and I'm convinced that Jesus is real and that I want to become a Christian. And all of a sudden, you guys are you know coming to my door. And the reason he actually knew they were Christian, I mentioned they hadn't even said a word yet. One of them was a seminarian; he was wearing a collar, so he knew that they were Catholic. And he's like, I, I had just finished a prayer asking God, uh, you know, what faith am I meant to be a part of? <laughs> and then you guys come walking, coming to my door. And I'm meant <laughs> like, that's amazing. I was on that same, that, so that same outing, I was going door to door and I actually met a family who was a fallen away Catholic. They had three kids and they're like, because you came to my door, I, I know I've been away for so long, but, and I want to get back and I want to get my kids baptized. Will you give my name, the father, will you have him contact me and let me know like how it is that I can do that? You know, we were <laughs> just because we went on that outing, we were able to provide baptism for kids who wouldn't have received it. A man who wanted to become Christian became Catholic because we went out, but there's the Holy spirit is working and we just need laborers who are willing to go out. And we know like, the, the fruit is plentiful. The workers right now are few. We need more workers because God has is doing amazing thing in pe- things in people's hearts. They know they want to come back to God. They just need somebody that's going to invite them. And so be part of that mission with us. Oh, that's, that's great. Listen, you guys, you guys are Holy spirit rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> you too, Joe. <laughs> well, thanks. But you know, I'm just a facilitator for guys like you. Listen, will you both please consider coming back on the show in the future? Absolutely. Of course. Okay. Well, I have absolutely loved having you here with us. And there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to hear from a lot of uh, the six pack family. I only hope I'm putting a link to uh, St. Paul street evangelization in my show notes. And you know, I certainly have no way of knowing if you guys get in any, any increased queries, but I certainly hope that you do. You know, sometimes, sometimes the audience surprises me. Sometimes they just go full bore and, and make all kind of clicks. Uh, other times they don't do a thing. <laughs> it's probably my fault that that happens, but, but I, you know, I, I think you guys have been exciting here and I've been thrilled to have you. Well, thanks for having us, Joe. And I'll tell you what, if we don't see a couple of pins on that Missouri map, we're going to come back here and we're not going to be as nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, guys. You know, I got really excited listening to these guys. If they didn't excite you about evangelization, then you're already dead and just waiting to be buried. So you need to act on your excitement right now before Satan begins sowing doubt in your minds. Right now, go to click the link in my show notes for St. Paul Street Evangelization. Click the link and get with these guys right now. Next week, we're going to have another exciting interview with Terry Barber, the co-host of the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You really won't want to miss this. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.